are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony Dow, and welcome to another episode of Last Week in Health IT for Monday, January 25th, 2021. It has been a while since uh, we last had an episode about Last Week in Health IT, so let's just get right into it. So, of course, all these articles that I usually talk about are on healthcareitnews.com. So the first one is, a health center's makeshift telehealth was okay, but now it's building something grand. So Be Busy Wellness Center is a place in Houston, Texas, and it's kind of like other health centers, but they really struggled to have their own telehealth services for their patients during the COVID-19 pandemic. So they tried to be creative in the beginning, and they purchased a bunch of mobile phones for clinical staff and iPads and others to engage with patients who had iOS or Android systems. But they really failed to expand their actual EHR to be compatible with the telehealth services. So they actually are now using a $183,000 FCC grant to help improve their telehealth services. They're going to be installing a bunch of equipment into their health centers, and they're going to try to be HL7 compliance with offering a closed circuit system and then having two-way broadcasting and having a protected health solutions and client safety. And they're also going to be offering uh, through the Zoom medical platform uh, access points in each uh, exam room. So it gives the patients access through both Android and iOS systems to provide like secure licenses to capturing signatures through DocuSign. This just goes to show that many places were just not ready yet to adopt telehealth successfully. And over time, we just learned from it. And now, you know, everybody has to use it in a certain extent. So they're trying to adapt uh, new ways to keep it more optimized and more safe and more like accessible for the patients. So speaking of telehealth, Indiana lawmakers are pushing to expand telehealth after the pandemic. This new bill shines a light on telehealth and also has provisions to prohibit Medicaid from specifying originating and distant sites for reimbursement purposes. Of course, the pandemic has caused telehealth to exponentially rapidly be adopted, but it still has its challenges from a reimbursement standpoint. Some of the other things that this bill includes is that it specifies that certain activities like assessment, diagnoses, uh, monitoring, and transferring of medical data, all that stuff, is going to be defined as healthcare services. It also expands the application of telehealth statute to additional licensed practitioners instead of just having it only to prescribers, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's also going to be requiring that telehealth uh, medical records be created and maintained under the same standards as the appropriate practice for you know all medical records for patients in a in-person setting. Basically, putting a standard on how medical records are going to be handled regardless of if they are telehealth records or not. And then they also prohibit certain insurance policies and individual and group contracts from actually mandating the use of certain technologies in provision of telehealth services. So basically, it's saying that reimbursement doesn't just get canceled or something if they don't use the right technology. And one of the other things that's pretty interesting is that they also got rid of the uh, sentence in the law that says telephone calls are not telehealth. So basically, now they're accepting that audio-only virtual care is still telehealth. It's actually a pretty significant change because that actually improves accessibility in areas that have really bad internet, really bad broadband, that you can't really do video services. So audio is the only thing that they can do. So telehealth services through the phone will still count as telehealth. The next thing I want to talk about is the ONC releases a new challenge for health IT, and it's called the Synthetic Health Data Challenge. This will uh, ideally allow researchers to uh, explore new avenues of medical research. They'll be allowed to use uh, Synthia, an open-source synthetic patient generator that models medical histories and synthetic patients. The goal is to advance the research and development in uh, validating realism of the synthetic health records that's actually generated by Synthia 
and uh, to create like you know disease progression and treatment modules used to create records and improve like you know, innovative uses of this kind of synthetic health data. And the next thing I want to talk about is the CIO shows how Halifax Health has enhanced its EHR with enterprise storage. So, you know, storage is always an issue in terms of like how fast and how much storage there should be for health records and EHRs. So for Halifax, they're trying to make different instances of their EHR, which they use as Meditech. And so their vendor, Pure Storage, they had three different flash arrays that the organization could use out of the box. And this increased the resiliency and also the amount of data that's available for usage by the clinicians and everyone at the organization. It's basically to serve as backup. So with the three instances, if there was any kind of like disaster or, you know, natural disaster or maybe just tech disaster, there's at least two other instances that can serve as backups. And with this, it allowed them to ensure that their Meditech system would always be online no matter what. And the last thing I want to talk about is going back to like COVID-19 information. There is now a new artificial intelligence model that actually can predict the length of a COVID-19 hospitalization. So it uses patient age, it uses their gender, uh, the daily clinical state, and it's a machine learning model that predicts like the probability of a hospital mortality for COVID-19 patients. This is actually published by an Israeli group of scientists in the Journal of the American Medical Informatics Association. And it showcases how using this machine learning model can predict like the illness trajectory of patients that have COVID-19 by using these different characteristics. What's interesting is because the COVID-19 progression of the disease is so complicated and it can be related to a variety of factors, they were able to develop a multi-state model that can account for all of these properties. And they basically offered a web app and R software package for other planners to use the model. With, of course, right now, the limitation being that it's only used with Israeli data. So uh, they'd like to have other people use it to make sure that, you know, it can accommodate for different data sets as well. And before we end the episode, if you'd like to keep up with the healthcare IT news, check out healthcareitnews.com. That's where I get my info to stay updated in that world. Alright, if you like our show, please share with your friends, or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Slack group at PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's different topic channels, including informatics, and I've met some great colleagues on there, and I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy IT and me. And remember, technology is a tool, patient care is the goal.